Christ. Many years ago, he wrote that book. He was a journalist for the Chicago newspaper and was an atheist and decided to disprove Christianity. And of course, he found that it was all true and became one of the great apologists and evangelists of our age. And he made the point that of all the things that have happened in human history, the resurrection of Jesus is the most verifiable by historical proof. And what that means for you and I is that Jesus is alive and therefore he is listening. He hears our prayers. He receives our praise. So this morning, as we come to worship him on Easter, bring him an offering of worship, knowing that he is here with us by his spirit. Would you please stand now as we enter into his presence with the processional hymn? Christ is risen. Lord, 
Let us together join in praying the Collect for Purity. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us again lift our voice in praise.
is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Glad songs of salvation are in the tent of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord exalts. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. The Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty God, who through your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, overcame death and opened to us the gate of everlasting life, grant that we who celebrate with joy the day of the Lord's resurrection may, by your life-giving Spirit, be delivered from sin and raised from death through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated now for the reading of God's Word. The first lesson is from Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. If you'd like to follow along in your pew Bible, you can find this on page 984. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. The word of the Lord. Would you please stand for the gospel reading? The holy gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Mark. Glory to you, Lord Christ. And when evening had come, since it was the day of preparation, that is, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a respected member of the council, who was also himself looking for the kingdom of God, took courage and went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate was surprised to hear that he should have already died. And summoning the centurion, he asked him whether he was already dead. And when he learned from the centurion that he was dead, 
he granted the corpse to Joseph. And Joseph bought a linen shroud, and taking him down, wrapped him in the linen shroud and laid him in a tomb that had been cut out of the rock. And he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of of Joseph, saw where he was laid. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw that a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And they said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid." The Gospel of the Lord. Would you please join with me in a word of prayer? Well, good morning, Lord. I thank you that you are alive and ruling the universe and that you hear our prayers. I thank you also that you have left us with these accounts, these records of your glorious work. And I pray now that you would open your word to us. I pray that you would help me as your preacher be clear this morning and true. I ask this in your holy name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, as a church, we have been studying the Gospel of Mark now for almost two and a half months. We started back in the beginning of February, and Mark's Gospel makes such an incredibly clear beginning. Mark 1.1 says, the beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And one would think that today, getting to the end of that gospel, we would see a a sentence that says, the conclusion of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But quite to the contrary, we're missing the actual last page of what Mark wrote. Most of the scholars suspect this, that the, the back of the scroll was ripped off and lost. And so every Bible, even the Pew Bibles, will have a parenthetical statement that says, there's something else missing here. And then they fill in what some of the scribes added. And there are varying manuscripts. And they have to add some details in. But I think it's actually useful for our purposes today. Because it leaves it open-ended. I mean, certainly Mark did not intend his gospel to come to that conclusion. The last verse would say, And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. I mean, that's a cliffhanger. But, but that's not how it ended, for sure. In fact, the Greek grammar is even weird there. It ends in a preposition. It's, it's clearly missing something. But it does leave us with a question of what are we going to do with what was just shared? That Jesus promised to rise on the third day, and they went to the tomb, and it was empty. What are we going to do with this? 
Now, you can guess, you know, you can guess what the ending would have been based on Matthew and John. For instance, Jesus personally met the women who were afraid and reassured them and encouraged them to, in fact, go and tell the others, send them to Galilee. And then in Galilee, they did meet, Jesus did come resurrected bodily and meet with his disciples. He forgave and reinstated Peter, and then he commissioned them to go and be witnesses. All that clearly happened because you wouldn't be sitting here if that hadn't happened. There would be no witnesses to tell the story. There would be no gospels written down. And this morning, what I would like to do is I'm going to try and constrain myself to those eight verses from Mark 16, 1 through 8, just what we actually have. And there's plenty of content in there. But before I go there, I'm going to jump ahead to Revelation because, well, one, we're going to start a series in Revelation next week. But this morning, if you hear nothing else from me, I want you to hear this. With Jesus, expect the unexpected. And let me jump ahead to a vision of the heavenly throne, even as it is right now. John the Apostle wrote this in the book of Revelation chapter 5. The scrolls with all of human history written on them were sealed up, and there was no one worthy to open these and carry out the rest of history. And he starts weeping, John the Apostle. And listen to what happens. One of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. So the lion of the tribe of Judah, John would be looking then to see a majestic lion, but expect the unexpected. And between the throne and the four living creatures among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain. That little icon on that banner there. He looked to see the lion of Judah, and what he in fact saw was a lamb that had been slain, but was standing. It was the Lord resurrected. Of course, in this heavenly apocalyptic vision of a lamb and a, and a lion and, the, and the, the root of David and all these images of what he is. But with Jesus, expect the unexpected. By Mark's gospel left with this cliffhanger, it asks the question of what do I expect of God? What do I expect of Jesus? What might you expect from a resurrected Savior? Now, I want to tell you, people expect all sorts of different, different things, and usually less than they should, myself included. A number of years ago, I had um, the privilege of going to visit a parishioner of ours who was dying of cancer. And through his cancer treatments, he, he was literally being physically whittled away. And um, he was expecting a radiation to his throat, and it was going to be bad. And his wife asked if I would come visit with him and pray. And I showed up there and started some small talk to just, you know, hear what's going on, how are things with you. And the phone rang. Mind you, I had not prayed yet. The phone rang, and it was his oncologist who said, or the radiologist or somebody who said, um, looking again at the scans, I've uh, reassessed the situation. We're not going to do that procedure. It's not needed. And when his wife came back in the room and told him that, he looked at me and he said, man, you're good. <laughs> and I said, I haven't even prayed yet. And the truth of the matter was that God was so present there in his life, his expectation was higher than my own. I thought the Lord would hear my prayer. I didn't expect he would preempt it. And, you know, his expectation was higher than my own. So what I'd like to do with this text this morning is I'd like to look at some unexpected things that should have been expected if we believed Jesus' words up to this point in Mark's gospel. And I want to begin with the women. Now, in the gospels, the women are um, usually 
the first ones to pick up the things of faith, right? Even to today. I mean, forgive me, men, but women typically come to the things of faith quicker than men. We're just a little slower on this. And Jesus really uh, blessed women and included them in his ministry. And however, on this morning, the women also were unexpected. They were not looking to an empty tomb. They were expecting a body and a heavy stone there. So try to imagine what happened. When Jesus died on Good Friday, it was about to be the Sabbath, and he died, and Joseph of Arimathea, as we read, took him off off the cross and put him in the tomb with some spices, but they had not completed the burial process, or at least the first part of it. And it was the Sabbath, sundown. They couldn't do anything. The Jews were very clear about their, their Sabbath rules. No work, no shops open, and so they had this long, agonizing Saturday this Sabbath where they couldn't do anything. They couldn't even walk a half a mile. And so our text starts up in verse 1 when it says, when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so they might go and anoint him. What were they expecting? They were expecting a body in a tomb. Sundown, the shops opened. They went and brought money, bought spices, but it was dark, so they waited till the very first light of Easter morning, and they went to the tomb. And on the way, they said, who's going to roll the stone away? It's a very large stone. Who's going to roll this stone away for us? They were expecting a body, and they were expecting a tomb. And you need to understand something about ancient burial process. It's not like dig a hole, put a body in, six feet of dirt on top, and it stays there till Jesus returns. In their case, picture more like a mausoleum, the big you know, marble building that's in cemeteries with a door you go into, and there's a coffin sitting there. They would carve those things out of caves with shelves on both sides and sometimes in the back, and they would wrap up a body, place it in there, and cover it with spices to try and, you know, mitigate the decaying odor, and they would come back a year or so later and collect up the bones from the rest of the organic material and put them into an ossuary, a little box. This was called the second burial. And so oftentimes multiple bodies would be used in the same tomb. And so this, this thing they were going to do was to handle organic processing. They were expecting a dead body in a closed tomb. And the stone, of course, was to keep grave robbers and animals from going in there and desecrating the grave. And they were going to need somebody very strong to roll that away. And when they get there, it's not what they expected. Even though Jesus said, I will rise. So what did they do? Well, they, they spent their money and their time doing the wrong things. And we do this as well. Consider something that the dean of my seminary wrote. Uh, Because Christ reigns and is ruling in history, my professor wrote this, to serve Christ by serving his purposes in history is to move with the movement of God in history. It is to move with the tide, so to speak. To serve some other end is finally to have spent one's life largely beside the point or swimming against the tide. So think about how you spend your time and money. Is it going with the tide of God in history? The things that God wants to accomplish in this world, are you getting into that stream with him? Or like so often, are you going against the tide? And when you go against the tide, you can't really expect his grace to help you get there because he wants to go there and you're trying to go over here. They spent their time and money on the wrong thing because they were expecting the wrong thing. What might they have done if they fully expected Jesus to do what he promised? They wouldn't have bought spices. I'm not even sure they would have gone to the tomb. Maybe they would have said, let's go to the tomb and see what it looks like empty. And then I don't know where they would have gone. But 
the women in this case, just like the men, did not actually expect that Jesus was alive, that he was in charge of things. I want you to expect the unexpected. I want you to expect the things that the world doesn't expect because they don't believe Jesus rose. They don't believe he's real. They don't believe he's alive. But Christianity teaches and the, and the grave proves that he is alive, he's bodily resurrected, and he is ruling the universe. He's ruling history and he's ruling your life, whether you believe it or not. Now, second thing that was unexpected in verse four happens. So when they get there, looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large, Mark says. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. Now, I suspect at first they were alarmed because there was a living body in that tomb. And Mark calls him a young man. Now, we know he's an angel, but he's called a young man sitting in a white robe. And they were either expecting at this point, since the tomb's been opened, it'll be empty, or there'll be a dead body in there. They were not expecting a young man in a white robe just sitting there hanging out in an empty tomb. That would be alarming in its own. And then when they start to realize what he is saying and who he might be, they're in the presence of an angel. And when you're in the presence of an angel, your sin and his holiness are at odds, and most people are terrified, and they were alarmed. They were afraid. Now, the thing that we in the West tend to do is we look at the universe as though, or look at our lives as the world through a rationalistic lens in a materialistic way. And we think it's just about what we see and touch, and, and we miss the spiritual realities. Whereas in reality, we're in a moral universe where there is right and wrong, there is good and evil, our actions matter, and there are many more things going on than what we see. There are angels. I heard a testimony a couple weeks ago of one. I'll tell you some other time. I'm not going to tell it right now. Angels are among us. There is a spiritual reality beyond what we can see. And many people are tuned into that. Others are not. I want you to expect it. I want you to expect to hear from the Lord. You know, you start serving the Lord, and you find there's actually an enemy. There's an attack. There are fallen heavenly angels that are now working with Satan, and they are against God and his purposes and his people. And so you enter into a conflict. The Apostle Paul put it this way in Ephesians 6. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against principalities and powers, spiritual forces. There is a present darkness in this world, and there is a real conflict that happens. But the good side of it is, if you're going with the stream of God, you have God on your side. He is the one who is all-powerful. Jesus is Lord, and you start to experience him. I want to ask you this question. Have you ever heard him speak? I don't mean audibly. If you are a Christian, you have heard him speak. The gospel being told to you comes alive. You go, you can hear it. It's like, wait, this is true. And God guides his people. You know, a couple of weeks ago, while I was actually preaching, something that's never happened in my many years of ministry happened, and somebody felt ill, got up, and passed out and crashed into those glass doors, unconscious. So that sermon was done at that moment. <laughs> you know, the, weird, the interesting thing, though, is it didn't feel like there was an evil presence in the church at all. It didn't feel that way. And I think the Lord did a number of really interesting things with this in, in retrospect as I learned what happened. One, I saw how incredibly strong and efficient our security team was. You probably don't even know we have one, but there are a whole bunch of people that are on the security team. They stepped right up. They did all sorts of helpful things. That went great, waiting for the EMT. By the way, the man was fine. He was dehydrated, low heart rate. He's totally fine. So praise God. Thanks. Thanks for taking one for the team. 
I know you're out there. Um, <laughs> Chuck, that was sitting in the front row, said, we need to pray. And I heard him, and I went, yeah, that's right. We need to go to prayer. Forget the sermon. Forget the creed. We just need to pray. Let's kneel and pray and let them handle things back there. And we started praying. And then here's something interesting about the spiritual realities that we're in. There was a teenager in this church that knew it was going to happen. And while I'm preaching, she starts thinking, I wonder what Mike would do if there's a major interruption in his sermon before it happened. And then she looked over at the person who was about to pass out, and she heard, not audibly, in her heart, she heard, tell him not to stand up. But what teenager is going to say to some adult man, um, I think you're supposed to not stand up, sir. But what was happening there, she's learning to hear the voice of God. Again, there is a spiritual reality to life, and Jesus is alive. Therefore, he speaks and guides people. Expect it. There are angels and demons in this world. Expect it. The women did not expect this man, and they were shocked. A third thing, not expected, and this is about Peter. You know, what's interesting here is the angel gives this message to the women. Go and tell Jesus' disciples and Peter to go to Galilee, and he'll meet you there. Why would he single out Peter like that? You know, throughout Mark's gospel, he's more or less treated the disciples as one group of people. The whole gospel of Mark has three big groups and then us. The disciples who didn't get it most of the time, the crowds who didn't get it most of the time, and the religious leaders who got it and hated it most of the time and resisted. And throughout, the question is asked for us, who is this that can even calm the sea? Who is this that can forgive sins? And it's asking us the question, who is Jesus? Well, Peter is singled out here by this angel because of Peter's expectations, both of which were wrong. One was he expected that he was stronger in the flesh than he actually was. Consider what happened just a couple of verses before. Have you ever been in that situation, let's say in an academic setting where a lot of smart people are and there's maybe a professor teaching and you're sitting there and a, an idea is shared and you think, oh, I know the answer. And he's asking or she's asking for someone to speak up and you're like, I'm going to say this thing. And then for whatever reason, you don't. And then the professor shows why that's a stupid answer. And he won't call it a stupid answer, but it is. And you think, I'm so glad I didn't say that thing. <laughs> Peter always said that thing. <laughs> that was just his temperament. He, he, he just was so impulsive. He was always out in the front. And so look what happens. After Jesus does the upper room, the Last Supper, and they, go, they sing a hymn and they go out to the Mount of Olives, <clears throat> it says this in Mark 14. It says, Jesus said to them, you will all fall away. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, now keep in mind, Jesus said, it is written. He's quoting Holy Scripture. It is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But Peter is so strong in his willpower. Even though they all fall away, meaning all, my other, all the other disciples you've choos, chosen, my friends here, my brothers, I'm better than them. They, even though they all fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, truly, I say to you, this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said emphatically, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. Whew. That is a really, really bold statement. And what happens? Of course, exactly what Jesus said happened. Happened. And he denies him three times, and he goes out and weeps bitterly when he realizes, when the rooster crows, he's failed. So being Peter, 
on the one hand, he thought he was strong enough in his willpower. And then because he failed so epically, he thought there was no chance he could be reinstated and forgiven. His expectations were wrong on both accounts. He was way weaker than he thought, and he was loved more than he knew. And so he was able to be forgiven. So the angel has to say, tell the disciples and Peter. Jesus wants to see him in Galilee. He's got forgiveness for Peter. Now, here's the thing for you and I about expectations. You and I think we're basically good people. And if you should ever find yourself saying, well, I'm a pretty good guy, consider that a prayer to the living God that really means, God, would you please humble me? Right? Pride comes before a fall. And if you think you're strong enough in your own strength to withstand the temptations of sin and the world and the devil, you're not. You need God's grace. The saying is true, there but by the grace of God go I. I would have done the same thing in some fashion that Peter did, and so would you. We all think that we can withstand on our own. But, you know, what will happen in our lives is that morally compromising moment will come and has come, and it does come, and you will fail and I will fail, and I have failed, and you have failed. And so, bring down your expectation of how strong you are by yourself, and bring up your expectation of what Jesus can do for you. He had forgiveness for Peter. He reinstated him. Three times, he said, do you love me? Tend my sheep. Do you love me? Tend my sheep. Three times in John 21, he reinstated him, and Peter became an incredible leader for the church, but he learned I can't do this in my strength. I've got to do it with the Lord. When the Spirit came upon Peter, then he began to be an incredible leader because he had God's help. He was no longer trying to go it alone. And so for you, hear this this morning. You are far more sinful than you want to admit, and you are far more loved than you dared imagine. That is good news. So expect the unexpected. Expect that God has forgiveness for you. Expect that his spirit will guide you. And when you do withstand the temptation in that moment of testing, when you do emerge victorious, you will not say, look how awesome I am. You will say, God, wow, your power working in me is amazing. Praise be to you, God. Jesus, you are Lord. So hear this this morning. You are loved. Jesus went to the cross to deal with all of these problems for us. And because he is alive, expect more, not less. Expect the impossible because he's in charge. I like how Colossians 3 puts it. And it, it, it messes up our chronology. It says, if then you have been raised with Christ. In other words, when he, 2,000 years ago, rose on that first Easter morning, those of us that later would come to him in faith are raised with him back there. If then you have been raised with Christ... Set your minds on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above and not on earthly things, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, you also will appear with him in glory. We are headed to something so amazing when Christ returns. But right now, we can live in it and participate in it. And even this supper that we'll we'll have this morning is a participation in a real thing that is timeless. Jesus is Lord. He is resurrected. So expect the unexpected. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you for this story. It is the greatest story ever told. I thank you personally for the privilege of getting to share it this morning. And I pray for each one of us that our faith would be rekindled as we worship you. I pray that you would move in our lives, that you would help us expect what is unexpected. Lord, Help us to see you and to serve you and to love you. I pray this in your holy name. Amen. I want to invite you to stand.
We're going to join with the church down through the ages professing the faith using the Nicene Creed. And together, we believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is visible and invisible. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through Him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, He came down from heaven, was incarnate from the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made man. For our sake, He was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, He rose again in accordance with the Scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and His kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. I invite you to kneel if you are able, otherwise you may be seated as we join in the prayers of the people. As we enter prayer now, you are invited to speak aloud your requests, uniting your requests with this body of Christ as we come together before the throne of God. Come, Holy Spirit, and lead us in our prayers. Jesus, your resurrection changes everything. Your resurrection proves all your promises are true. You are alive now, reigning in heaven, and we can be confident that you will return as you promised. You will redeem your created world and will establish justice on this earth. Pray for Christ's soon return and pray for a situation in the world that needs justice. Lord, in your mercy, Lord Jesus, may the radiance of your light in rising from the grave illuminate and banish the darkness in your church that she may reflect your glory and resound with your praises. 
pray for a specific way that the universal church can maintain holiness in the world. Lord, in your mercy. Jesus, as we unite ourselves to you in dying to self, help us as a congregation to seek ways to stir one another up to love and good deeds as we see the day of your return drawing near. Pray for ways you can encourage other members of our church. Pray for the leadership of our church and for the selection of our new bishop. Lord, we also pray for those who are sick and grieving, for Jim, Don, Deanna, Anita, Roberta, Jerry, Kay, Tammy, Bill, Bonnie, Paula, Kay, and Steve. Pray for others you know who are sick and grieving. Lord, in your mercy. Jesus, by your resurrection, you won victory over death and the devil. You have delivered us from our fear of death, which has subjected us to slavery all our lives. Because you live, we will live again, too. By your power, you have raised us to walk with you in newness of life and have victory over sin. Pray for attentiveness to God in your own life, noticing opportunities to share Christ's newness of life with others. Lord, in your mercy, Jesus, your resurrection is proof that your vicarious offering for our sin was accepted. The claims of God's justice are satisfied, and the power of the devil over us is vanquished. We praise you now and forever. Amen. And Lord, we invite you to search our hearts now. Show us those places where we need your forgiveness. Convict us of the specific sins that we need to confess this morning. Come, move among your people. And now let us together humbly confess our sins to Almighty God. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. 
we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, who in His great mercy has promised forgiveness of sins to all those who sincerely repent and with true faith turn to Him, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and bring you to everlasting life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now hear these comfortable words from Holy Scripture. Jesus said, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will refresh you. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And now as a forgiven people, would you please stand? The peace of the Lord be always with you. Let us extend God's peace to one another. You may be seated. No. No. What do you do? Um, for those of you that are visiting, the peace is actually not a meet and greet. Sometimes it feels like church members say hi to their friends. That's actually a liturgical act where because God has reconciled us to himself in Christ, we have peace with others as well. So it's a symbolic thing. Um, this morning, what we do next is we bring a, a worship offering to the Lord, and that is a way that um, we invest in his kingdom. And if you're a visitor this morning, don't feel obligated to give. If you're a church member, I thank you for giving generously. We're a church that prays a lot, and there are in those pew racks and in the backs of the chairs connection cards. For anyone, if you have a prayer request, please, you're welcome to write that down on there and drop it in the offering plate, and we will pray for your request this coming week in our morning prayer time. Also, if you're a visitor, I'd love to know that you're with us. Please fill out the other side of the connection card to just let us know that you are here, and we'll reach out to you uh, with some information and just thanking you for coming and visiting. We also will have prayer ministers available along the wall of the transept over there uh, during communion time. Um, they, they will come up and receive communion first, and if you want someone to pray with you, head over to them and um, ask them to pray for whatever's on your heart. We also come to the Lord's uh, Supper. And um, that is open to anyone who is a baptized follower of Jesus. So regardless of your denomination or home church, if you're baptized and you follow Jesus, you are welcome at the Lord's table here. Uh, what we'll do is we'll come forward to the rail, lining up from the center out to the side, uh, kneeling if you're able, otherwise you can stand, and just hold out your hands flat like this. You'll receive a wafer of bread that has the wine already dried into the center of it. And um, if you need a gluten-free option, just flip your hands over this way, and we'll give you a gluten-free wafer uh, that's separately wrapped in a bag, and you can just open it and eat it right there. And if for any reason you don't want to participate, you're still welcome to come forward. Just cross your arms like this over your shoulders, and we'll say a prayer and ask God to bless you. Also, just for, uh, for movement's sake, the transept over there will come down first, 
and receive, and then this bank of pews will receive second uh, while you guys come up on this side. So now let us walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice unto Almighty God.
things come from you, O Lord. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right, our duty and our joy always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. But chiefly, are we bound to praise you for the glorious resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. For he is the true Paschal Lamb, who was offered for us and has taken away the sin of the world who by his death has destroyed death, and by his rising to life again has won for us everlasting life. And therefore, we praise you, joining our voices with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven who forever sing this hymn to proclaim the glory of your name. Neil, now if you're able, otherwise you may be seated as we continue in prayer. Holy and gracious Father, in your infinite love, you made us for yourself. And when we had sinned against you, become subject to evil and death, you and your mercy sent your only Son, Jesus Christ, into the world for our salvation. By the Holy Spirit, and the Virgin Mary, he became flesh and dwelt among us. In obedience to your will, he stretched out his arms upon the cross and offered himself once for all, that by his suffering and death we might be saved. By his resurrection, he broke the bonds of death, trampling hell and Satan under his feet. As our great high priest, he ascended to your right hand in glory that we might come with confidence before the throne of grace. On the night that he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, after supper, Jesus took the cup. When he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. 
Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. And therefore, we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. We celebrate the memorial of our redemption, O Father, in this sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. We offer you these gifts. Sanctify them by your word and Holy Spirit to be for your people the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Sanctify us also that we may worthily receive this holy sacrament and be made one body with him that he may dwell in us and we in him. In the fullness of time, put all things in subjection under your Christ and bring us with all your saints into the joy of your heavenly kingdom where we shall see our Lord face to face. All this we ask through your Son, Jesus Christ, by him and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. And now as our Savior Christ has taught us, we are bold to pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. Take them in remembrance that Christ Jesus died for you. Feed on him in your hearts by faith and with thanksgiving. We were waiting without hope, without light Till from heaven you came running There was mercy in your eyes To fulfill the law and prophets To a virgin came the word 
From a throne of endless glory to a cradle in the dirt. Praise forever to the King 
of gifts I cast my mind to Calvary Where Jesus bled and died for me I see His wounds, His hands, His feet My Savior on that cursed tree His body bound and drenched in tears They laid Him down in Joseph's tomb The entrance sealed by heavy stone Messiah still and all
morning that you rose All of heaven held his breath Till the stone was moved for good For the Lamb had conquered death And the dead rose from their tombs And the angels stood in awe For the souls of all who come To the fire they are restored And the church of Christ was born then the spirit led the fame Now this gospel truth of all Shall not kneel, shall not faint Now his blood and in his name In his freedom I am free For the love of Jesus Christ Who has resurrected me This morning, we've been reminded of how much our God loves us, and we've been nourished from his table. So let us together join in the post-communion prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for feeding us with the spiritual food of the most precious body and blood of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and for assuring us in these holy mysteries that we are living members of the body of your Son, and heirs of your eternal kingdom. And now, Father, send us out to do the work you have given us to do, to love and serve you as faithful witnesses of Christ our Lord. To him, to you, and to the Holy Spirit, be honor and glory now and forever. Amen. If you just want to sit down for one minute, I have a couple of quick announcements for you. First of all, I just want to recognize that almost 200 of our members went through the Mark study over those uh, two and a half months, and um, 29 uh, leaders. I'm just really grateful for that. Well done, church. I want to just pause and celebrate that as we shift into a new study of Revelation starting next week. So next week, we'll be in the book of Revelation. We're going to hear the first sermon, and, the, and then on the following Tuesday night, so not this Tuesday, the one after next Sunday, uh, Curtis and I will do a teaching night, much like we did to start Mark, where we'll lay out what is the book of Revelation, how do you read this mysterious book, and give you some tools for the next sermon series. And then Lenny Conchowitz, our church planter uh, over in St. John's County, will be preaching that sermon next week. And then those that are interested in a luncheon to hear about the church plant can register for that, and there'll be a lunch um, uh, following the sermon um, that he's going to give. Also, I want to encourage those of you that are new to the church to sign up for the newcomer's luncheon uh, that's scheduled. It's in your bulletin. Take a look at that. And then something very unusual, next week I'm not going to be in the 9 o'clock service because I'm going to be over in the fellowship hall teaching a catechism class for six weeks. So Curtis and some others will be taking the pulpit. The catechism class teaches the foundations of Christianity. It's, um, it's not 
beginner's stuff. It's the building blocks of the faith. And I want to encourage you, if you've never gone through a course like that, to sign up. Um, We'll do it again in the fall. And so in the fall, we'll switch and do it during the 1045 service instead of during the 9. So it's a little bit of a different arrangement. If you're interested, there's more information on the website, and you can uh, get details in the bulletin. But I want to encourage you to jump in right now. A lot of times after Easter, things slow down a bit. I want them to pick back up. It's time to jump into the things of faith. So I want to encourage you to look in the bulletin, uh, take advantage of these things, and um, and be part of them. So now would you stand for our blessing uh, before our recessional hymn. And now the peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and your minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you today and remain with you forevermore. Amen. to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Nice kids. You say that in this young Hey, thanks very much, you guys. It was like a ma love major highlight for you to be here. Oh, thank so, you. I love it. Happy more, Easter. More, more. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Happy Easter. Thank you. 